I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Lightning Dogs, the official podcast presented by the Nerdist Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdist Show programming is made possible by The Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit NerdistShow.com. Lightning Dogs is conceived as an all-ages property, but these behind-the-scenes conversations are not all-ages. So listen at your own discretion, baby. Woo! Sometimes a great idea is truly like a bolt of lightning, and sometimes, if you're lucky enough, you can capture the exact moment that it strikes. That's what happened for us one fateful night while recording an episode of Nerdy Show. We accidentally launched a concept that derailed the entire show, and in no time, our lives. We couldn't stop talking about our favorite action figures and B-movies, while twisting them into strange creatures, weird adventures, and dog puns. Lots of dog puns. This is the story of Lightning Dogs, a journey steeped in the glory of 80s and 90s animation and sci-fi, where anthropomorphic dogs tear through the wasteland of a ruined earth battling mutants, miscreants, and the evil Glampire. Coming soon to small screens, comic books, and podcasts. Or at least that's the goal. But how do you go from a crazy idea into a fully formed world of conflict and characters? How does a harebrained discussion become an animated series? That's what we're finding out firsthand. We've recorded the entire development of Lightning Dog since day one. From the moment of conception to every world-building session and planning meeting, and the journey is still ongoing. Tune in as we create the world of Lightning Dogs live. Welcome to another episode of Lightning Dogs. <laughs> Hashtag hell noise. We got Cap. We got Tony. Doug. And for the first time, we got Max Acree. Hey guys. This particular session of Lightning Dogs was a long time coming. We'd known since the beginning that cool as hell action figure ready vehicles were essential for this concept to come to life. On one end of the spectrum, there's the amazing apocalyptic rides of Mad Max. And on the other end, there's the gimmick-packed cartoon tie-ins of the 80s and 90s. Vehicles couldn't be an afterthought for Lightning Dogs. They needed to be a core component of the series, as iconic as the characters themselves. But between Doug, Tony, and I, there wasn't a gearhead in the bunch. Fortunately for us, we knew a guy. Max Acree is a car nerd of the highest order. He's also a longtime Nerdy Show listener who'd done the first Lightning Dogs fan art we ever received. And, as fortune would have it, He was willing to join the team, take our hopes and dreams to the garage, and trick out our absurd ideas with deft design skills. In this episode, we're going to set some paradigms for the classic cartoons we're taking stylistic inspiration from, discuss the real-world vehicles we're pulling for reference, and then scope out Max's first round of concepts. But first, let's get to know the newest member of the pack. Max, tell us a little about yourself. 
in my day job, I'm a game developer. Um, I'm actually a project manager, but I went through school as an artist of the same program that Jared from Playmon went through, uh, but years before he did it. So you're OG. I guess. Original graphic artist. <laughs> I don't do art for my day job, but I do art you know, for a hobby. And so uh, I have, you know, everything from 2D to 3D. And mm -hmm. uh, Cap and I go back a little bit because I sent a 16 page why the, the Batmobile Tumblr from the <laughs> Chris Nolan movies is terrible. Um, document that's unfinished. Uh, and it, it's not like 16 pages of this is dumb. It was more of like, a, okay, I didn't like that thing. Here's how I would have done it if I had had It was medic. a fascinating critical analysis. Yeah. And so it, it was like, you tell someone you had 16 pages of opinions about this thing and people are like, oh, I don't think I want to talk to you anymore. You know? <laughs> but at the same time, it's really more about like okay here's how i would gather reference here's how like and, and i kind of sort of had to reverse engineer the mandate for what this thing was going to be right was you that know? written from the perspective of you're designing it for the movie or from the perspective of you're batman and you have the money no 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 because if you're batman and you have the money you have a motorcycle and a helicopter you don't have a car like have, <laughs> you, well he did he turned it into the the uh the well, pod i'm just saying if, if you well that was dumb too but if, <laughs> you just said if, no you you have a dedicated thing of one or the other. And then he like, had the bat, which was the basically a helicopter. That was a helicopter with the blades underneath that a wet blanket could have taken out of the sky. <laughs> but, it's a net. Just, yeah, <laughs> it would have been terrible. But no, like, if you've ever been to a big city like New York, you're not driving a car at any reasonable rate of speed, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think the way you get around in the Arkham games where you bat hook and then fly your cape is the way you get around as Batman, animated right? series even. Yeah. Then there was that one line in the movie I found really problematic where uh, Morgan Freeman was like, well, we got it to jump over rivers and all that, okay, but we can never get the bridge to work. I'm like, you're telling me that super scientist Morgan Freeman could not get the suspension bridge that we've been using for thousands of years to work, but they've got this stupid car that can jump over water. That's like <laughs> such a solved problem, building bridges, you know? Yep, yep. And so like the real problem at that time was up armored Humvees, right? Like people were getting IEDs and like they were getting kind of trapped and, and getting blown up. And I'm sure there's people who can speak to that a little more clearly than I could, but something that makes more sense to me is a Jeep that can jump out of an ambush, right? So like what the problem they needed to solve with that line was, was they had to get him onto the island after they blew the bridge right. at the end of that movie. Right. That was not that they needed a car that could jump. It was that they needed to get Batman back on this thing after the bridge is out, right? Mm -hmm. And so they just made the line of, well, we need a thing that could get past a bone bridge, right? But what you really like, you could have done the same thing if you had a Batmobile that could kind of lift off for a couple seconds. Or just him glide in on the cape. Right. And we have that though, right? Like we have sort of like VTOL from the Harrier, but actually the new F-35 has a little trap door that opens up and it's got a ducted fan in the middle. And so you have military vehicles with jet power, you know, you've got ducted fans in the middle that can fly. So anyway, I, to me, that was a, a smarter way to do it. That was actually cooler looking anyway. You know, not having well, been in all the, the meetings the, they were in and everything else. The Applied else, Sciences you know. Division was shut down. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a Did you not get the memo? Yeah, yeah they did. I guess I, I guess I did it. So anyway, I, I'm very opinionated about Batmobiles is, is also my background, but... Well, you're um, in good company. So anyway, I think about these things sometimes and yeah. I watch them and I'm like, why are there 15 parts of that door? Like, you could, <laughs> you could hit that with a hammer and then no one's getting out. Like you could tell those movies where like Chris Nolan was like, I want a military Lamborghini, right? Right, right, right. And so that's what they got. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so they gave him what he wanted. All nine of the art directors on that movie gave him that thing, you know? And, le you know, legend has it he handed them one he made out of clay that looks sort of like a croissant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, assuming, flick. assuming that he would pay attention to what you were delivering him, right? The premise, I think, if you sort of know enough about how stuff works to kind of look at something and like what you're after is verisimilitude, right? Like you want some, right. something to look like it's believable and mm -hmm. could work, whether it is a legit thing or not. Like you don't have to design the James Bond rebreather 
But when he puts it in his mouth, you want to believe that's a thing. Like they were getting mail from the military asking, "Hey, can we get those things from you guys?" Like when when that movie came out where he had the rebreather, <laughs> or the yeah. hoverboards and Back or, to the or Future, the hoverboards yeah. that are just finally now Lexus put one out that allegedly is a thing. It is not pink. It does not say Mattel on it. It's yeah, bullshit. Clearly, it, it doesn't even work on water. So <laughs> anyway, like gathering reference. And knowing what you're looking at, at least at, at a high level, allows you to kind of build something that looks a little more legit. So it's kind of, it was just a fun exercise to be like, okay, what if the mandate were this gritty, grounded in realism, Batman universe, when I were the boss of it, like what would I have done with that? I actually, for my hobby, have had several project cars and junkyard turbo setups and all, all kinds of stuff. So I mean, the howstuffworks.com of it all, if you guys want to get into it, I can do, but uh, I don't think that's really super critical. To <laughs> So as you can hear, Max knows his shit. Me and Cap do not. So you can expect a certain amount of practicality to Lightning Dogs, but at the same time, yeah, this is an 80s and 90s cartoon series. We're doing shit that looks good and does cool shit and is bonkers. So let's uh, face it, a lot of these cars, as we've been talking about, are crystal powered. Yeah, the crystallic fusion is going to be a tricky thing to get around. (laughs) And I don't even know how it's exactly going to be tying into the engine, because in the like really rough stuff that I've done, I just slap the crystals anywhere that looks cool. That's all you really need to do, though. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we want Lightning Dogs to be something that you can take it seriously, like a, like a dramatic series like Young Justice or something to that yep. effect, and then also that is as much raw fun as the shows of the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't bog it down in, exactly. like, Reality. You know, how it's supposed to work or how could that work, right? But I think you can make it seem legit. Like, you can watch Star Wars, and the Millennium Falcon feels like a real thing. Well, less than like Star Wars, I always considered Lightning Dogs technology in terms of how real it is to be closer to it. 80s show like Knight Rider, yeah, where it's like it kind of is real. Funny but, story about but that. It, too. But they don't they don't fill in the gaps like how yeah. well, so I, Speed Racer, ah, uh, Speed Racer, but also just in terms of like the car is artificially intelligent, kind so, of like how Wolfman's artificially intelligent, and yeah. there's all these gadgets and stuff, and there's a lot of action, but it doesn't really, it's never really explained how this is built, who built it, even, or who built it, or how it works. But you just sort of whatever, man, just get on with the adventure. All we um, know is that. Panthro fixes yeah. things. He just but, fixes, but, does but, those machines. But now, like, what, 30 years later, people can build kit in their garage. Yeah, and, well, yeah. here's the thing. In Kissimmee, there used to be a, a company, I think they're still around, but they don't just do this anymore, called MarksCustomKits.com. Shout out to Marks Custom. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they actually would build Knight Rider replicas to a very high degree. Amazing. And they reverse engineered them from the show, and so you would get them with legit digital compasses and like all the like two tv dashes with real tvs and stuff did they get mr feeny to come by and record well what they got you? was somebody brought in a real cast off tv car and they were shocked and dismayed to discover that they were all breadboard on the back and they would plug into a wall they were super stoked and like oh we're gonna see how they did it you know and like <laughs> you turn it around and it looks like a 1982 donkey kong board where it's just wires all like you know, <laughs> it looked terrible and they were so disappointed in it and so they they actually made and tore all that stuff out and put it in a new let one. that be a lesson never meet you heroes yeah yeah yeah. it's funny (laughs) or disassemble them they actually went and made all this digital stuff that would work off potentiometers and it looked super legit based on how the show was working and stuff amazing but the way they did it on the show was totally bogus and they would literally like run a cord out the window and plug it into the wall to make the dash light up for close-ups and otherwise it was just a total hack job car fuck (laughs) what did you expect they didn't have the actual technology to do it back then well it's funny because like they set themselves that challenge and they're like they did it you know and you can get the the season one dash with one tv or the season two dash with two (laughs) tv like so they would give you like specific. a straight up turn. So great. What you're you telling get me? one with the green scanner to, oh, be, to bl- be car or whatever. Bless those like, nerds. This oh, is man. actually <laughs> the Knight Institute of Technology. Yeah, no doubt. And like you can get a, a one that runs super good and at like a turnkey car for like 30 grand or whatever, a brand new 86 fire. That ain't bad. They won't kit. That's <laughs> nah, like, really so. not. If you had any doubt about Max's clout when I said the words car and nerd, I'm guessing by now, you know, he's definitely got the chops for our post-apocalyptic chop shop. 
And if you're still not convinced, well, just you wait. We mentioned several episodes back that we were bringing Max onto the team, and in the meantime, we got coordinated. He had some fundamental questions for us, like what was the definitive visual style of the show? We figured that out on a discussion in a previous episode, and that helped him get a feel for working in a style that matched where we hoped to take the series. Just before this recording, he gave us a short list of classic 80s cartoons and asked us which ones Lightning Dogs drew most heavily from or compared most closely to. So, to kick off this session, I put the list in order, from greatest to least, for how I felt they matched up. Number one, Masters of the Universe. Mostly in the diversity of characters and the weirdness of the world, not because Lightning Dogs aesthetically will look anything like that. And of course, they were really beholden to the character designs were, well, they're all the same shape mostly, but <laughs> yeah. they were all crazy. Yeah, they're super they're... bananas. Like, that's got to be one of the most diverse mm-hmm. toy Easy. Lines. Yeah, I mean, but I suppose what we could look to is the original Master of the Universe is great, but the stuff that Mattel's been doing for the past like 10 years with the Maddie Collector Master of the Universe, Jesus Christ, the detail on those things. Yeah, I've been watching it. Number two, Silverhawks, mm-hmm. a show I've never seen, but oh, has such an amazing intro. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's not very long either. I think there might be a season or two. Like yeah. it, it wasn't out for long, but it's. I think you would super dig it. Well, I mean, that's why it's a two, because yeah. of everything I know about it, everything I've seen of it, I can tell that it's really in the vein of the style and characters that uh, Lightning Dogs kind of embodies. And then Brave Star, because mm-hmm. it's a really goofy but weird and decent-looking show. That's a filmation joint. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's good, though. Like, yeah. yeah, that holds up, I think, as much as any of those do. <laughs> when I went through this list, I kind of revisited a lot of these shows. Yeah. And, and like that, that fucking anthro horse dude in Brave oh, Star. It, that's a, there's, you can unpack that, right? Because, I mean, he's his horse, like his legit straight-up horse. But then when they get into battle, he turns into his bro, who like turns I into a dude. It. And he talks to him. And, like He's like straight, sentient and everything. And like... He just rides him around like there's nothing wrong with that. And then he's like, <laughs> it's just like, what is going on here? I love it so there's much. There's an episode, if you can find it, where there's like a drug that it's like the very special episode of Brave Star. No. You should dig that up. The drug is called Spin and it's like these crystals they put on their skin and the kids just get all tripped out. And it's like, that is like a out there, very special episode. Like that, if you're going to watch one episode of Brave Star, watch that one. And wow. then just assume they're all like that. So based on how obscure this is, we might be able to take the crystals being absorbed into the skin for some kind of drug use in Lightning Dogs. Well, we already it's, we already did the... the crystals do everything. Yeah. 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 They already do They're everything so much. <laughs> right. Last episode, we combined the crystals with fungus people. I mean, we're... Tough acting to acting. And now you touch it and you get high. <laughs> but if we do need to have some kind of funky drugs that are crystal related, then they may as well be the, the fungus people. A crystal powder, I could understand, gets you jazzed up. Grind, now I'm, I'm, grind, grind that crystal. I'm up. now picturing the the fungus being taken as okay. Yeah, moving on. Anyway, uh, Thundercats, uh, obvious reasons, but all the best parts because we did start this very program because we were sort of disenchanted with Thundercats. <laughs> Jason the Wheeled Warriors, really wild, cool show, but I think lower on the spectrum. And then finally, mm-hmm. Visionaries which has a really, really cool action figure gimmick of the uh, holograms. But I, I think it's probably like, as far as things to reference, probably one of the, in, in design form and everything, like one of the lacking ones. Yeah, their vehicles are very uh, triangular. When I threw that list together, it was just kind of like the shapes of the stuff. Like all those shows, shockingly, have very interchangeable vehicle designs mm. where you could take one and play with it next to the others or, or just put one in the other show. And like, I don't think anyone really look at it. But yeah, Visionaries is, is kind of an out there program anyway. I don't even remember what it was about, but I feel like they were in the future. And <laughs> With a name like Visionaries, they would have to be. Either that or they were all hopped up on something. They, they, well, they were, they were they all were... hologram based, right? So they yeah. had a big hologram in their chest and then they had a thing like a hologram on a stick and like 
they would turn into their hologram forms and fight. And then when they would lose, they'd like run out of energy or whatever. They turn back to their regular forms. And like the vehicles had holograms on the panels and like they were cool looking. Probably this the most was, 80s thing you can think of almost really. I mean, <laughs> I'm seeing some parallels in Steven Universe at this point, And it's kind of weird me out. Nah, not hard as light you, constructs you, that go out and fight, and when they you, get damaged, they they return to their their yeah. original form. It, it it's it sounds that way, but trust me, it's not. Okay, yeah, on thank paper, God. it's you know a lot of those high level bullets are very genericized, right? But you look at it and you're like, what am I looking at? And, and you, the one that didn't make that list was in humanoids, right? Which, uh, again, was more just vehicle stuff, but like yeah. that's a, a really dark show yeah. when you watch it. You know, the the toys were so tall, like they were like twenty two inch figures or something Holy like that. Like fuck, like the villains, they were real big, and then they had like I guess he man sized human counterparts, you know. And then there's like two vehicles you could get, but it was really just about these huge oversized monster things. Like it was, you know, they're pretty wild. Now, the, the scale was, I think, one of the things they were selling the most, which is really yeah. cool. Some that didn't make the cut were sectors. You, you know about sectors? No. Those are the dudes that were sort of He-Man looking, but then you they, they would ride around on spiders and flies, and you would put your hand in a glove. That was like a big ah, hairy glove. I've seen these things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are called sectors. And, and then there was like the base. Like that was their toy gimmick. And I, I feel like they must have had a show too, but it couldn't have lasted long. But And you also brought up the Supernaturals, which was yeah. basically the same thing as Visionaries, but sort of a different slant. Mm-hmm. What we've been talking about is the possibility of making Lightning Dogs this whole fictional... 80s show and creating our base but then at times writing action figure gimmicks into the show based on like reverse engineering designs which that's where some of these lines failed like visionaries they were completely based around a gimmick and didn't have enough substance to back it up but if you have a good show and then work a gimmick into an action figure line and have your tie-in then you're more in a gi joe realm like uh, gi joe would always come up with crazy action figures and then figure out retroactively how to work them into the show or even more uh, successful real ghostbusters because you had slime based toys yeah right other ones that would explode or pop apart put them back together or like, like the traps where you hit the tongue and like the ghost yeah would snap shot on your finger super hard i had the um the vw bug that would turn into uh pop up and be like that mantis monster and the flush ghost that this disguises a toilet but it's not a toilet so you had cars that were not cars, toilets that were not toilets, people that were not people, and it was mixing different kinds of toys, right. which is what you're speaking to. Which is definitely something we want to do. You also had, a, man, a great one in here that I was not aware of called the Sky Commanders, oh, yeah. which is another gimmick-based toy. They were like basically zipline. Yeah, they of? were like mask-sized dudes. You know, mask was smaller than G.I. Joe. Uh, they were like, I don't know, three inches or something. And uh, they were all about just putting dudes in the vehicles. But Sky Commanders were all like the whole paradigm for that toy was like zip lines. And they were all like these neon pink and green and blue strings that you would string across the room. And then everybody had like a pulley that you'd put and you could slide the dudes down. And then all the vehicles would also ride them down. And some of the vehicles had these like old school printer ribbons that were kind of like seatbelt material, you know, like they're sort of flat yeah, and wide, yeah, yeah. like maybe an inch wide. and you Like a string... woven nylon or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd, you'd string those across and then you'd wind them up. And they would kind of like inch their way across super slow, like it'd be motorized. And then you could drop the guys down from them and they would hang on their little strings and stuff. Like the whole thing was just like string up everything around the house. You got a bunch of trees or you got a staircase you want to deck out, man, your mom's going to trip. Well, as long as they're like, (laughs) as long as they're like two or three feet apart, right? Like they weren't that long, the cables, you know, so it was just not quite Just enough enough to to completely bamboozle anybody walking down a hallway. Yeah, for sure. It was very Home Alone uh, by the time. (laughs) This reminds me, there was, um toy lines for movie tie-ins like hook mm-hmm. yeah. and robin hood prince of thieves the toys are easily forgotten because you think of the movie you don't think of the toys that you were playing with mm-hmm. where I, I don't remember if it was prince of thieves or if it was hook it was probably hook i don't remember what character it was but they had like a backpack mm-hmm. that had a grappling hook built on the back sort of like no, that was one of the lost boys 
Was it? Yeah, I, yeah. I promise you that was one of the Lost Boys. Yeah, I just remember having it, and then you could literally like shoot the hook out, and you could attach it to something, and then on the bottom of the backpack was like a little pull pin. When you pull that pin, there was a large wound up piece of string inside the backpack itself. So you got the Lost Boy or the whoever's wearing the backpack, because you could attach it to whoever you want, mm-hmm. standing on the ground, and the hook attached to a string is like over like on a bookshelf or something you then pull the little tab at the bottom of the backpack and you're pulling the opposite end of the string and with pulleys and stuff inside the backpack it was really cheaply made yeah just whoop right up to the thing so you wouldn't even have to get up you would just tug on it and it would just go up the line yeah that plus hook had a bunch of different things like different hook attachments for his hand he had like a hidden sword in his arm and like they they had different varieties of hook yeah 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 there's such a wealth of 80s and 90s oddball toys to talk about and we'll certainly get to all of them sooner or later. It's one of my favorite things about developing Lightning Dogs, re-exploring the media that captured my imagination and asking what made it so cool and how we can channel it to create something new. It's always especially exciting when we dig into something as eclectic as the Hook toy line for inspiration. But sampling from the action figure features of the past isn't the only toy-centric way to come up with cool Lightning Dogs designs. Mm Mm-mm. There's still untapped novelties no one has used that we can adapt into our own hypothetical toys. For example, using your phone and a small rigged up plastic pyramid, you can create tiny holograms. You have to constantly use air quotes around hologram, right? Right. Because that's certainly not what the thing is. It's not a real hologram. Yeah. But it's something that. The illusion of a three dimensional light object. There's a word for that. It's a. A A fakeogram? An Instagram? It's like a. It's one of those like stage name things because it's It's been around. What do they call it? A ghost glass effect? Yeah. It's like at the Haunted Mansion or the Ghostbusters show at Universal when that was a thing. It's the way you do that kind of thing. Basically, you take a, a CD jewel case, you put it over graph paper, and you cut out some angles, and you build a, a frustum, which is basically a pyramid with the top chopped off. Mm-hmm. Set that on your cell phone right in the middle, and the video has a left side, right side, back, front, arranged in sort of cardinal points on your phone, so top, bottom, left, right. And you set that thing in the middle, and then you hold it up, and as you look in it from the side, you see what appears to be a free-floating emperor's head in star wars type because yeah. right? like you said exactly- if it, the idea is if you set it on a table and you're just looking down on it it yeah. just it just doesn't do anything but if you raise it up so where you can't see the phone screen and yeah. it's like level with your eye and you're just looking at the the glass structure that you made yeah then it suddenly looks like there's something floating there it's super simple to do and the possibilities of building that into a playset or something and say if it was power rangers like filling that crystal up with zordon it's as easy as that get your mom's cell phone pull up the video you got Zordon hovering in there saying all kinds of shit to you. So if we want to place that with the Wolfman AI to pop up, this is just dealing in like hypotheticals for sort of des- designing a world that's both an action figure world and an animated world. I assume it would work with static images or something like a, a Viewmaster type slide mm-hmm. projection as well as a, an actual video from your phone. So if you wanted to not have it be cell phone reliant, it seems like you could just bake it into the base of the thing and backlight it and it would probably just work reasonably the same as well way, yeah. too, you know, just... And hey, we got crystals. Them. Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. explains, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you can, we have the you know, perfect MacGuffin. Yeah, so you can do a lot of stuff with that. Now, that particular item isn't something we're focusing on in this episode, but it's a great example of the kinds of influences we're drawing on to build our world. So much so, we actually have a little lightning dog's hologram proof of concept that you can see yourselves. But I'll tell you more about that at the end of the episode. All of this toy discussion is leading up to the main agenda: vehicles, their designs and the different ways that toy lines and animation influence one another. When I envision this stuff, it really comes from an action figure standpoint. And then in the animation, they always would simplify stuff. Mm-hmm. G.I. Joe had a really great track record of having complex-looking action figure vehicles and then them translating in the show. 
Whereas my other frame of reference was the Ninja Turtles action figure vehicles, most of which were so batshit crazy, they never, ever made them into the show past like the blimp and the party wagon. Yeah, well, it's funny because you look at some of those and like the box art for those things is like, what universe is this where you've got yeah. this dude on a toilet raft like <laughs> blazing through the sewer where it's like all that water is just straight up brown, you know? It's like, <laughs> and it's just like, these are like garbage pail kids like drawings, you know what I mean? Like oh, they're yeah, just yeah, so yeah. crazy. And it's like, you can see why they wouldn't be in the show. But yeah, those toys were pretty wild. I think I missed that toy line by a year or two. Like I was certainly aware of the Ninja Turtles and I liked the first movie a lot. and. Uh, Ironically, I liked the recent Netflix Daredevil show because it recaptured that Ninja Turtles one you know, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. well. And uh, I was like, yeah, this is really good that these guys managed to capture their parody so so closely. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I was never big into the cartoon or the toys, so I would had kind of a blind spot for all those figures. I remember there being a ton of them. Yeah. Uh, and I went back and took a look and I was like, yeah, these are wild. But what I was thinking about on that topic, though, a lot of times you establish the metric of the action figure and all the vehicles kind of have to get built around that. So you see a lot of open top vehicles yeah. in those larger action figure lines where they're either motorcycles or they're convertibles or they're, you know, they don't have a roof in, in some right. way. Right, because the turtles were bulky and were always kind of in a semi-crouching yeah. pose. Right, and, right. So yeah. you can just put them on something real easily, you know, whereas G.I. Joe was much more posable and the figures were a lot more svelte, right? Like, so you could yeah. slide them into a seat and close a lid so they could get away with a lot more of that. So I think the scale of the toy, how you define that, you know what I mean? Like if you want big, bulky Thundercats even type dudes, you know, like the Thundercats, have you ever seen a Mummer action figure? It's like, what is that? Like the legs are super <laughs> short and like the, the torso is <laughs> yeah. crazy big, you know? And it's like thinking about all that as a holistic thing from the toys back, or you can do it from the show forward and then just make it work. You, you know, like it just- Well, uh, that's also one of the reasons we reached out to you and we brought you in, Max. This sort of, this expertise, this this knowledge that you bring to it is- going to be critically important when we do finally get final designs for these vehicles. We've talked plenty about action figure influences. Now let's talk about real-world vehicle influences and the different global car cultures that are going to inform the designs of the many factions of the Wasteland. You've got a number of factions at play in this universe, right? You've got the Lightning Dogs who come from somewhere else, and they're going to have a certain technology paradigm. And then you've got Glampire, which, uh, are you guys aware that, that glamping is a thing? by the way. Glamping? Yeah, what it is, is a portmanteau of glamorous camping, and it involves like, <laughs> it is actually a thing. Like, my wife wants to do it at some point, and uh, so I've been really trying not so to, have, like... You have to build a fire out there, and it's a glam No, fire. it's more like, they're like... <laughs> They're like super, well, I'm really trying not to design the glamper van, right? Because <laughs> so, no, like no. airbrushed the glampire yeah, on the side. I mean, come on. That would be like super throwback. So, I, I, I believe I heard the words trying hard not to. And yeah. what I need you to say is I am doing this right now. Thank you for trying hard not to. Yeah. So um, I did look up some futuristic campers and they're out there just so you know. But uh, anyway, so like he's got his own thing, right? And his own thing is going to be interesting because he's originally from somewhere else, but he's been around for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think you can play it up in such a way that he's got his first wave stuff from when he got there somewhere hidden and all the while that like human history was progressing around him he was hiding that stuff because it wasn't the time now that that stuff is gone and he's sort of the boss of everything he can bring that stuff back out without really caring if anyone is going to do anything about it so i think he's also got whatever he was doing along the way and then he's got this like og stuff that he's got in the vault, right? Like, mm. no, I really enjoy my Rolls Royce. I'm going to keep it. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, he's been like basically living like Rod Stewart, or uh, you know, like, <laughs> like I, I would say David Bowie, but I don't feel like Bowie's flashy like that. But I feel like you know, you get a Rod Stewart who's like, you know, he's driving Lamborghinis around. You know, he's yeah. driving weird stuff, right? <laughs> like, like one of these guys who's driving fast cars or whatever. So he's got that like flashy kind of vibe. But now that 
this sort of society is gone. That stuff's probably still around in some capacity, but he's also probably rolling his like good stuff out of the cellar now because there's nothing that's going to stand up to that. And then you've got his minions who are just doing the best they can with what they got. And they're probably not stupid, but they probably don't have enough social coordination to make anything really fundamentally new. So mm-hmm. a lot of their stuff is probably well-oiled old stuff that they've kind of either brought back around or they've cobbled together. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like those guys are going to have their own technology paradigm. And so then whoever else is out there, like I've, like the Ninja Cats, like I've just sort of been on the fringes of the discussion, which as well they should be as the, on the fringes of the world. <laughs> but like, you know, those guys are going to have their own thing, right? It could probably be some like almost glampire level stuff because they've probably been living in this little like bubble removed from everybody and have just got their stuff together on a level that the rest of the world doesn't. So they've probably got cool ninja stuff, but like, <laughs> like electric motorcycles that are quiet compared to everybody else's or whatever. You know what I mean? Like this kind of right, thing. I just, right. just to throw Ooh. it out there. Ooh, a stealth cycle be fucking badass. That's what I'm saying. And so if you'll look in the reference folder, there's like electric mics in there and stuff like that. Cause that's a thing now too already. Which is funny because you start thinking of these things like, what a wild idea. And then you look, it's like, oh, you can buy that. You know, like, yeah. just go get that thing. And you're like, we're living in the future. I don't know if you guys knew about it. but <laughs> Right, like the fact that the Karatas giant robot actually exists yeah. and you can buy it. Yeah, you can just go get it. You, you can buy a jetpack and they'll train you how to use it. Like, you can get it. Like, people are, where's my jetpack? It's like, well, here's the website. You can get it for $300,000 and they'll come teach you how to fly it. Like, a legit jetpack, you know, like not the water one that you can get. Anyway, like I've been kind of looking at a lot of rat rod culture, which is, you know, I'm going to assume that nobody knows what I'm talking about and I'll just kind of lay it out. Good but, assumption. But this idea that like your classic hot rod that you'd see in like your Van Halen Hot for Teacher video, uh-huh. like the half of it, like you'd see in American graffiti, right? Like, yeah. Like Harrison Ford's Millennium Falcon before yeah. he was that character in Star Wars. That uh, <laughs> character yeah, so, in Star Wars. So basically. Keep talking. Yeah. No, he was, he was that same character, right? Like, yeah, he I was mean, still Han Solo. He was just on a drag strip yeah, as opposed Star to Wars, Star the Wars, castle run. As far as it pertains to Harrison Ford is, is American graffiti again, right? I mean, he's that same guy mm-hmm. with the sort of mostly functional, better than everybody else's when it's working, like. Cowboy swagger. Yeah, yeah. Like he's the older guy, you know, he's cooler than the other ones. Not really part of their scene, but he's around. Anyway, if you look at him like at a higher level, those bullet points align pretty close. But his car is your classic T-bucket hot rod, right? Like right. you would see, and it's all chromed out, no engine cowl, so you can see the engine. And then the back is all super candy paint, whatever. Mm-hmm. The rat rod scene is when you just don't do that stuff. You build the same car, but everything's still rusty. Everything's still like you pulled it out of the bottom of a lake. And in some cases you do that. The goal is to find some super busted down whatever and just give it some new life again. It's funny because it's like the sort of like reverse style, right? Like you just do not care about the classic styling of, of how you do this stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like the punk rock of, of car stuff, right? So right. to me, it seems very appropriate to what everyone in the wasteland is doing. Certainly, yeah. And it's it's a very desert scene because you can't have a car anywhere but the American West or Australia that is unpainted and rusty and assume it will last longer than a year or two because here <laughs> right. cars will rust while you watch them, you know, sometimes, you know what I mean? And, and up North and whatever, but out West, like it's super dry. And so you don't have those problems. So you'll see a car that's been in a desert for 80 years, perhaps, right? Like a forties, thirties car, you know, and you just tear it out, tear the engine down, rebuild it and it'll run, you know what I mean? Because it's just out there getting dry, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. you change the rubber and you got a, a working vehicle. So if that's the sort of space that everybody's living in, the more you dig into that rat rod stuff, you see like airplane parts or airplane engines, or you'll see like boat stuff or whatever they find that just looks neat. It's more mm-hmm. about, is that shape what I need? It's almost like designing a cosplay costume, right? Like you go to Home Depot and it's not like, is that a drain fitting or is that the shape I need to make IG-88 its head? You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> you look at shapes instead of function and you end up with all kinds of cool stuff, you know? So that's yeah. what these guys are about. And I think taking that basic idea of just whatever you find laying around and kind of slapping on like kit bashing, you know, you're sort of kit bashing the mm. world's car scene from forever and you yeah. just come up with what you want. And in Japan, you have a sort of take on that 
which started in the bike scene, like everyone's seen Akira, I'm sure, but yeah. like the clown gang. Yeah. There's a culture there of motorcycle gangs that it's actually legal to congregate with more than some number of bikes anymore because <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> so in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s, you had what was called Bosozoku gangs. You see this character still in anime now, the, the guy who's in the school uniform who just wants to fight. Right. And yep. he just goes around fighting everybody. Like he's what they call a Yankee, spelled Y-A-N-K-I-I. And the next level up from him is the Bosozoku, who is like a step down from the Yakuza, right? So like they're sort of a feeder group. Interesting. And so they're street gangs, right? Like what you might consider here. You'd see this in American schools. Like I knew kids in high school who would go to shows as skinheads and they would like wear their red laces in their docks, right? Their Doc Martens and like mm. they would go to concerts and fight. And like it's the same kind of thing. Like, I mean, there are a lot of unfortunate racial overtones there, but like in Japan, same kind of deal. You have these kids who just wanted to buck the establishment and they'd do these crazy things. But the way they build their bikes is just like I mean, you, you have to see one to understand, but like they take the fairings, like the body cowling, like the, you know, the, the panels and they'd cock them up like at 40 degrees up and lift them forward. And the tailpipes would be 20 feet long, shaped like Pikachu tails and like, <laughs> you know, just crazy things like that are just super impractical. But these were like street tough guys. And they, apparently they would have rev patterns. Everyone would have like a custom rev pattern and like they just like rev their bike a certain way, like when they'd roll up on you and stuff. And like, that's how you know it was a certain gang and whatever. Fuck like, me sideways. <laughs> these so, things are ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it is. If you get into that scene, like it's a deep, deep rabbit hole. In the same way they would want to not be part of their parents system and not want to get jobs and be square or whatever, they would like really adopt the imperialistic World War II kind of iconography of everything they were doing. So they all drive around in like kamikaze pilot outfits with like all the like they would write their death poems on and stuff. On this episode's page, we've got links to all the animation and car cultures referenced here. I say this now because Max just pulled up something on the computer. And if you have the chance to see it, you might as well have the same reaction Tony is about to have. So that's a Deco Tora truck. And so that is actually Holy like... Holy shit! <laughs> so in the same way that Pokemon is short for Pocket Monster, this is just sort of a language thing they do over there where they take the first word, you know, like Sega's service games and, this, and all that mm. stuff. So Deco Tora is decorated truck. And so we're looking at a picture of something that could most closely be described as an American carnival ride. It's, a, <laughs> it's like the smallest U-Haul truck you can get. Like one of those flat front, like Optimus Prime front end, but small pickup trucks. But they've taken all this like chrome doodads and lights and horns and like it looks like a Gravitron. There is there <laughs> and, is and, and, a cop light at the top of that, along with the giant fucking yeah. star that forms the rails on one side. And I swear to God, it's a Lisa Frank Triceratops yeah. on the side <laughs> of this truck. And, and all yeah. there's like this super elaborate airbrushing. And, and at night, these things are spectacular because they light up. All those panels are lit. And so, is that on its way to like Disney Japan to be part of the electric parade? I, I think that guy's driving around delivering stuff. I, I think that's just the thing he's doing. And, and so this is a whole scene. And then there's like the Bosozoku car scene, which they're doing the same basic things to cars. Super like caricature spoilers. And like if you were to sit here and draw what you think. See, so this is one at night. And that's not even really an elaborate one. There's a scene in the initial D live action movie where these guys show up to race in one of these things and they, <laughs> they have the side open up and they deliver the car out on like a motorized oh, like flatbed. Uh. <laughs> it seems so ridiculous but in the context of that film it's like so bonkers. You're like this is perfect. Like it's just what are these guys doing? Anyway. Well of course that's how they bring the car here. Of course yeah, that's how so, they bring the car. So I'm looking at this stuff where it's like just so bizarre and out there. All that stuff is form like, over you, function to you the You can't next let level. your race car's tires touch 
well, they're the only pavement from, until yeah. it tastes well, blood. Well, it's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like you draw your knife and you can't put it away. Yeah, until exactly. It it's like, no, you, like the same thing with that. Like, you can't drive your race car to the track. So I don't it think only for racing. I, I think IRL, that stuff doesn't necessarily have any racing connotations, but that scene of, of the decorated trucks is one thing. And then there's the car versions of that stuff. And then there's the motorcycle stuff and like how those people sort of have that flair. It's very similar to the American greaser of the 50s, right? Mm-hmm. And they love that stuff. They love that rockabilly music. Like, that's part of their scene. And they have these weird dance circles they do that are like, like, if you really want to dive down a super weird cultural rabbit hole, start looking into Balsasoku culture. There's a, there's a documentary. Just start with Japan and yeah. narrow it down narrow, from there. Narrow your focus. <laughs> but uh, there's, a, there's a doc called Sayonara Speed Tribes that's interesting as well that kind of gets into that. And uh, So anyway, I've been looking at that stuff because it's just so strange. And it's so, like, foreign in every way where it's like, yeah, yeah it, it's from a foreign place and nobody sees it. It really hasn't made its way to the West at all. No. Behind the scenes, we've been keeping massive folders of visual reference material for different aspects of the wasteland. Scenery, architecture, costumes, and of course, vehicles. When Max came on board, we'd already built up some hefty archives, and they were a launching point for us being able to show him what we had in mind when it came to certain aesthetics we'd like to highlight in Lightning Dogs. Publicly, you can see a lot of these inspiring images reblogged via the Lightning Dogs Tumblr. Now, in that vehicle reference folder, there was an overabundance of one particular kind of car. Futuristic concept cars of the 70s and 80s, especially what's commonly referred to as a wedge car, called as such due to dramatic, sleek, triangular shapes. You guys already had in the folder some like 80s era Lamborghini Countach and some sort of mystery concept cars and stuff. I do have sort of a backlog of weird cars too, like a lot of those wedge mobiles, like I kind of got on a kick with that for a while. Like that Charlie Sheen movie, um, The Wraith, have you seen that? No. Oh man, Cap, you just stop what you're doing and go watch The Wraith right now. Have you ever seen High Plains Drifter, the Clint Eastwood movie where he's a ghost and comes back and takes revenge in the town that let him die? It was die? debatable that he was a ghost, but <laughs> no, yes. Let, yeah, me, let like... me tell you, Doug, he was a ghost and he came back. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, uh, so the, the premise is... shut you down. <laughs> so the High Plains Drifter comes back into this town and it's almost like a Kurosawa setup, right? Where the cyclical cycle of bandits yeah, comes yeah, yeah, through yeah. every year, right? It's very... I, Bugs life. I like what I'm seeing of the Wraith right now. Yeah, so that's the Dodge Turbo Interceptor and... Uh, it's basically 1980s Charlie Sheen before he was really a thing comes back into town. He's the cool guy in town, hangs out with his nerd. And there's this group of people much like the Mark Hamill classic Corvette summer who are racing people for pinks and like taking their weird eighties cars and they force them to race for pink slips in the desert. And, uh, I guess they did it to him once and he died and he's for sure a ghost. Like he's, there's no, like he's not a ghost in this movie, but he comes back in this weird, looks like a kit car. A ghost can break the laws of physics, but it still must race you. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, he raced them and like in the course of his race, they fall off cliffs and blow up. And right. Like, right. 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 He's killing them in his races. They're just racing people for their cars. Why you would want to steal people's cars that you beat in the race, I'm not 100% sure. But well, you sell them, and then for the money you get, you soup up your car more. I guess. Uh, that's probably the, the model. The vicious it was, cycle. They didn't really get too deep into that part of it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. But anyway, he comes to help this guy out. And so there's like this coming of age, like helps the nerd get a girlfriend while he's like slaying these dudes left and right, like the crow. And like, you know, because he's got a heart. Well, he's got this weird robot suit where he's wearing like road warrior leg braces and arm braces. He looks and awesome. Yeah. And it's, as it's he, like, it's like Daft Punk meets the crow no, I, I, yeah, and yeah. High Plains Drifter. As he, <laughs> as he kills the dudes, those pieces kind of like blip away. And like, so his like arms and legs get freed up as he kills. It's like, it's an artifact, man. Like, but it's kind of the 80s retelling of High Plains Drifter in the way that. Fast and Furious was the 2000s retake on Point, you know, Break. Point Break. And yeah. Anyway, it was a cool, weird car that a lot of people have forgotten about that film. So I felt like it was kind of in the same vein. But it used to be a thing where you'd have automotive styling houses and then like the manufacturers would buy their designs. And so that day is gone because like, like literally last two or three years, they're all going bankrupt or getting bought. The big one that did the Countach and quite a few other cars was called Bertone or Bertone. I've heard it a bunch of different ways. If you want to be like deep into that wedge car, DeLorean, Lotus, uh, Esprit, you know, like James Bond, the spy who loved me, Lotus, like those guys did all those cars. They styled all those. And actually, particularly one guy, Giorgetto Giugiaro, he did the first Volkswagen Golf. He did the BMW M1, all these like really iconic wedge cars. But he also designed the watch that Ripley's wearing in Alien. Like, uh, so, that's cool. So these industrial design houses used to be a thing, right? And like certain manufacturers would really buddy up with one of them. So Lamborghini was always hooked up with Bertone. And so all their cars look like iterations on the Countach or like a triangle factory exploded. And like, sort of, you know what I mean? Whereas Ferrari was always hooked up with Pininfrina and they are always like jelly beans in a wind tunnel, right? I've always tried to remember what the name of this car was, but it was the one in Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Moonwalker. Another wedge. Like a, it, was a, it was an experimental. Um, I'd have to see it. Whoa. Wow. I'd forgotten about that guy. That's a Stratos concept. That's the Lancia Stratos Zero. That was another baritone joint. So that car went into production, but it doesn't look anything like that. It's like there's some pretty sweet pictures of it, but when you look yeah. at it in the Moonwalker video, yeah. they make it look like even Sick. better. Oh, oh it is man. Cool. Like, I think that late 70s, early 80s aesthetic is, is just really epitomized by the, the Baritone Styling House. Those guys have such a specific look in the interiors of all those cars are just like what they thought the future was going to be. And, yeah. and I guess that's really what I've been looking at is, is like just sort of like... What could have been. Yeah, just forgotten paradigms that fell by the wayside because something else happened and it just wasn't a thing anymore. Like uh, seaplanes and those Ekrano plans that were so big in Russia where they're like ground effect boats where they're planes, but they only go about three feet off the water. Yeah, oh God, I saw a documentary on one of those and just how it they were like, oh, in theory, you could take off from Russia and land somewhere in America yeah. and have all these troops just like a huge water landing. And yeah, no doubt. And like they look like planes with the wings cut off a little bit and like trench run X-wings like flying around super low to the water. Very cool, you know, wow. and now they're sort of niche, like hobbyist vehicles. God, they, they are crazy. Yeah, like they're super cool. Like and, they're very and the evocative scary thing was that, it, was that it worked. Oh, they <laughs> work like, super good. That's what was really They were creepy. so novel. <laughs> but like what's even cooler about them now is they're all sitting in fields rusting in, in mm -hmm. Russia. And it's just like, what is this weird technology that I've never seen? I think hydroplanes became the next big thing or hovercrafts or something. But that kind of stuff. Is exactly the kind of thing that would have been turned into a G.I. Joe vehicle, right? Like yeah. the, the X plane that NASA had with the backwards facing wings because that was an experiment to see if like mm -hmm. wing stability was better at supersonic speed if the wings faced the other way and like all those weird things. But those got turned into G.I. Joe toys all the time, you know, and then they would also make their own crazy ones that didn't make any sense. But like anything that was like cool out there as a military experiment. 
that the general public wasn't seeing. Somehow G.I. Joe was seeing it, I guess. Like, <laughs> and so like you would well, see that, all it that is, stuff. you know, the military action figure. Oh, so. no doubt. I'm sure they're just a direct pipeline to uh, Hasbro. <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Snake so, Eyes is a real guy. He's just sitting in the back well, of every What we don't meeting. know is that Hasbro was actually designing those. It possibly. For the know. military. Possibly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I've been looking at that stuff, like weird stuff. I mean, a lot of those things, like people who look up weird stuff know about that already. So it's not a huge surprise if mm -hmm. people are kind of the type of person who's going to Google that stuff. <laughs> but um, I think they all fit pretty well. Steering back to the former topic at hand, before we got distracted, wedge cars, right? We weren't definitively sure what in the world of lightning dogs was going to be influenced by these cars. I'm not even sure where the wedge car will come into play and lightning dogs. Well, see, to me, that's like Glampire's, like, while people were around mode yeah, of transportation. Yeah, true, true. Could have, know, yeah. I, I've been looking to the, the wedge car technology and anything that seems at that level mm -hmm. in, our, in our respective reference folders as being artifacts of what humanity had before. Yeah. Because Glampire, as a political exile, he was dumped on Earth with nothing. Yeah. So any technology that he has, he was able to influence humanity's development and kind of, like, nudge them to look into stuff that he knew about but didn't couldn't himself invent exactly but basically by comparison to everybody else in the wasteland he has the most advanced stuff because he's been able to still align himself with creatures and so on who are actually playing at his level essentially but he's got a monopoly on that so mm -hmm. he'll be able to roll out the weird transforming car that's like a spider and also a motorcycle yeah, that's the thing I wanted to talk to you guys about too like is that a thing we're doing are yes. this stuff's transforming like are the like the silverhawks ship the two like side pods, you know, like you'll look at that thing and it has three or four canopies, right? The side pods would open and like, there'd be like, like kind of like the Batman 66 side pod bike mm -hmm. where like Robin's little go-kart would come yeah, out. Yeah. That type of stuff, split apart, get back together type vehicle I'm, situations. Uh, like we, we need that or. I'm, I'm on the fence about that really. I mean, but in terms of like the spider uh, motorcycle thing, that was more of like, how does Glampire get around was the question. Yeah. And is it dignified to put him on a motorcycle or in a car and the idea of like well what if he's like riding it's almost like a beast of some kind if, mm -hmm. if it is like a glass spider that you think oh that's just in the shape of a glass spider but it's a motorcycle but then when he comes to a stop he gets off of it and then and then it goes into spider mode and yeah. then it's like an attack dog at that point like that kind of thing was very alien like he's not actually and, uh, driving it he is telling it where to go I was gonna say, yeah. he, he seems like a chauffeur passenger right like he doesn't <laughs> yeah. strike yeah. me as a he, I, I can't picture him right he's not driving. going for a sunday drive even he doesn't no. care yeah it's yeah. It, like it was always weird when count dooku got on that speeder bike you know i'm like why why did he just like, no he seems whatever. like a guy who's getting delivered to places right like, yeah he doesn't like or he's just already okay, there just like you don't yeah. see him arrive it's just he's just he's there, there somehow yeah so as far as what those guys are into right i mean i, I think those guys are in the back of a Rolls, or they're in the back of a... Yeah, know, the, the kind where the chauffeur doesn't have a roof over his head. Yeah, 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 but he does, right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like that Scrooge McDuck status, like, yeah. you know, like like Bugatti, I think, is that guy's... Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. As far as the trope of transforming vehicles goes, somewhere down the line, maybe we, you know, see the need to produce, like, a, you know, a line of a few transformative vehicles or vehicles and vehicles we, or something. Because we've discussed but, the, the road trip section. Once, you know, the lightning dogs have to go on the mm -hmm. run, maybe at that time we get into a transforming vehicle or some like you were mentioning the ones where they link up like we would have yeah. the battle wagon and then we have the various vehicles that can right, either like a, pop like, out of it or if we're able to write the lightning dogs into a position where in the story it makes sense for them to have enough equipment for it. That kind if, of technology. If they, if they yeah. caravaned into something like that yeah. would be cool. They came through as a group on an expedition. And so they're going to have what I would imagine is like akin to 
what you might see if you Google a bug out vehicle, but more produced than that, right? So they're going to have a one-stop shop. Here's everything you're going to have, guys. Right, like uh, Jurassic Park 2. Yeah, the yeah. Lost World. Sure, like that. Like, <laughs> you know, they, they had a glamper in there, right? Like they, they did. <laughs> now it's time to unveil Max's first batch of designs. And as we discuss these, you're going to hear an audio quality shift. We switched from our studio mics to a micro recorder so we could all gather around his sketchbook. We're going to be describing these doodles so that you can get the gist of what we're referencing, and it won't be challenging for you to listen in. But if you want to, we've got these sketches posted on our DeviantArt and linked up on this episode's page so you can follow along. I have a whole bunch of thumbnails I've done of mostly Wasteland stuff because that stuff is a little easier to uh, kind of conceptualize. Even more important, or at least as important as what are these things? It's like, what are we calling these things, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at these vehicles and like a particular Ninja Turtle line yeah. has crazy names for their things, right? And like, so I mean, I had a list of things I think would make good stuff names, whether they're vehicles or not. We can just throw them out there in the ether and see what sticks. But cool. when, when we get there, we can, cool. we can do that. <laughs> we're pulling up on that station, so have them at the ready. All right. So we're all gathered around... Uh... Max's sketchbook. Yeah, he's got some pieces here. This is just a quick, like, one page of thumbnails. So I just kind of went through in a red pencil and just kind of quickly did some silhouettes and then went through with, a, like, a really fine drawing pen. Some of them are a little more angular. Some of them are these big, chunky shapes. But, like, some of it's kind of more this Gen 1 transformers kind of visual language. And then the rest of it's kind of just whatever. Um, things from either sleek to more that deco truck, you know, kind of look. So there's a few here, several rows of uh, mostly Wasteland stuff. Um, some of them are themed after various pieces of things you'd probably find around. So the, from the top left, I mean, that's more of a traditional rat rod shape, right? But then with like a big, you know, propane tank, gas tank or something. I've been real big on airless tires these days, which I think is the future. And they're certainly uh, easy to make in plastic molds. Yeah, no doubt. I could, you got a crane with like a cattle... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing on the front. Well, you'll see that a lot of these have that that cattle catcher. Yeah, that's kind of a thing that really just sort of a road warrior holdover. You I'm know, perfectly um, fine because I mean it makes the, sense ultimately. Yeah, these these gonna cars are going to hit something. Well, yes. those things will be around too, right? Because yeah. a lot of like trains are going to end up in a train yard, and even up north, you see that stuff for pushing snow around, you know, um, to various degrees, but. Construction equipment, I feel, is probably going to be made of thicker steel. It's going to last a little longer. So you're going to see, like, this one's a cement, cement mixer, mixer, yeah. Right? But it's got, like, a crane thing on it, maybe. And, like, this one is kind of based off of a belly tank speedster, like, out at the Bonneville Flats where they do all the top speed runs. It used to be real common for people to get a drop fuel tank from the bottom of a fighter jet. Mm-hmm. Because once you drop them, they're not going to reuse them. And they would actually just encase some chassis in that and use them to be super aerodynamic. And you still see them. They're still a thing. That uh, cement mixer one, I kind of see Captain Scrap in even a little bit, just because it kind of feels kind of seaward, just with the the tatters. This could even be a sail. And given that it's a cement mixer, I can almost picture it like being a wet little encased area for him to go have a nap as he's driving around. Like a big shell. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it's, he's climbing into a cave. And I'm really digging the, the off-road unicycle. That we got yeah, the off-road unicycle. Of... Like, this is like the monocycles, like the mono wheels, where it's like the guy sits inside a big single wheel. You know, those are kind of things I've been thinking about. And then like these big, chunky, like futuristic, from the 50s at least, you know, kind of real stubby Futura design language where everything was chrome and sleek. And the Star Wars prequels really reference that real hard because George Lucas, obviously being from that era, like yeah. was really dipping back into his American graffiti roots again. All the design language you see in the Fallout games now are really were just as if that piece of technology design language kind of progressed into a thing. So I, I'm hesitant to dip too deep into that well, you know, hmm. because that's kind of their space a little bit. We've said things in the past that have suggested that uh, perhaps 
the world that humanity left maybe had some sort of stylistic inclinations towards deco-looking stuff, like yeah. the, the deco building and so on. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of that, like, the 70s Futura look, I think, is is really compelling to me. And even, that, like, all those sort of, like, futures, like, gone, right? Like, this, yeah. like what everybody thought was going to be the way, and, like, now it's just not a thing. Well, one of the reasons I think we keep coming back to sort of that futuristic look, because all those designs, all those concepts still look futuristic, despite the fact that we are technically living in the future right now. Yeah. It's the idea that the future is going to be clean. Mm-hmm. The, the future is going to have very clean lines. It's going to be very put together, which is where that deco look comes in. And it's going to be a nice contrast to the wasteland. I love this whole page. I would say yes to all of these. So the thing about some of these, I was trying to find novel propulsion methods. So you've got this one big globe in the middle, like a Dyson vacuum, right? Mm. With a sort of ring around it. And then like this one, the unicycle. And like some of these are trikes, you know. And then this one's up on some weird articulated situations up here. And And then we got what looks to be a single prop engine on the front of that. that's a thing, though. There's actually a radial engine that's driving the wheels. Mm -hmm. It's not on a prop. It's actually got a drive shaft and it's driving the wheels. No, I got you. It's, which is it's wild, just, but it's just that's a super weird way to see something on a car. And there's a lot of bikes too where people will put them in sideways. Anyway, but like different wheel sizes, like kind of got that hot rod flavor, but also that idea that, well, that wheel shot, let me just find one. So some of them will look like they started out as a little bit more like these are more race car ish, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know how practical that stuff is, but I'm sure there's places in the world where that stuff makes sense. The novelty would be to take something like one of those wedge cars and figure out, well, what is the junked up road warrior yeah, version no look like? So that's the other thing too, is, you know, how weaponized are these things and in what way, right? Cause like the Jason, the wheeled warriors paradigm, you've got a big claw arm. That's like a classic robot pincher on top of one. You've got one with a saw on top. You've got one with a drill, you yeah. know, or you've got GI Joe or you've got missiles and cannons and stuff, right. Or yeah. you've got lasers and whatever. And like, how half-assed is this world, right? Right, right. Like, or how deadly is this world? You know what I mean? Like, is the are the stakes so small on a daily basis that Halloween minions are fine with nets and lassos and stuff? Or are the stakes high on a daily basis? Is it Road Warrior where everything's covered in spikes with blood on it? And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, that's a choice that someone's got to make. Yeah, yeah. And I think it'll, like, these are just sort of where you start and then you can tack that stuff on some of the vehicle names that we mentioned earlier that I'm thinking about, right? Tony, Tony, I'm going to need you to back me on these, right? <laughs> Uh-oh. We've got the dog pounder. Okay. So stuff like that, right? Where you're thinking about tying in dog names or, or you know, weird things like that, right? Where you're mm-hmm. like trying to like play off of like random stuff, but that's the way they would name vehicles. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, no, they've got, like, they've, these have to be pretty cheesy names. Yeah, yeah. And I think the cheesier the better, but like... My time has come. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. So, like, do you, do you name them after? Do you name them first? I, I think there's something to be said for both. So I think keeping yeah, a sort of empirical list of names. Yeah. And then, like, man, that one really speaks to me. I'm going to do that one. Or are you just like, well, I think this kind of feels like that once you've seen the image, too, you know? Yeah. Dog whistle, a supersonic vehicle. The dog whistle, it's like you can't hear it coming. <laughs> well, like, Unless you're a dog. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but then you got to do, like, Lampire stuff, too, right? And that's when, like, you know, I kind of got stuck on the Glamper van and couldn't get past it. Um, I feel like Glampire things, maybe their names may reflect a certain amount of cosmic terror. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the vehicles that are constructed for the purpose of destroying the lightning dogs might be the ones that reference... Dog stuff, dogs, right? Yeah, 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 right. But but the, but for the lightning dogs, like they may their cars may the ones they end up like attaching to at least initially until they're inevitably destroyed yeah. may actually be like common dog names like yeah, Fido no, and Brutus, no, and I, stuff or like that. Dog breeds, right? Like uh, a blue healer, 
like that's the thing. If you can find stuff like that, they don't have to be so consistent. The hound. That's what I mean. Yeah, you can come up with a lot of those type of deals and and go for it. That's kind of where I just kind of wanted to get started. Yeah. And if you guys that dog catcher thing I had here, but this was like a quarter. no. You see, that's exactly what I had pictured when I pitched it on. I think it was what the third episode, and everybody said mm-hmm. no. So I appreciate you sticking to it and bringing it to life. We actually had a discussion in our, in our prior meeting where where Tony brought this up, and I was like, no, 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 Tony, you don't understand. I have a critique. For the dog catcher vehicle, and one is that Tony Tony was thinking of it in that it would be a lightning dog's vehicle for the lightning dogs mm. themselves. And I'm like, one, it's a beautiful drawing, and it's a good start. We just need more guns and more crystals well, than everything that's else. That's the thing. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's some of the considerations were it's open top, right? Right. Uh-huh. So you can drop your dudes in. Um, but that's the other bit of it was it wasn't very weaponized because I wasn't sure. Again, like I say, like are we talking about arms that come out and I, try to punch people with I, robot fists? Are we talking about guns? Like, where if, are we at? With I'm I'm seeing this obvious, like the dog catcher being something that they would build once they realize the lightning dogs have powers. How do you contain? something that has a superpower like how do you contain angela yeah so like they're like well we have to build a dog catcher vehicle to like in order to to, so this would open up like in the back like as a toy would split down the middle and you just put the lightning dogs inside and boom you got them now you got to get you know and there might might be some kind of like claw thing so they can like back it up and scoop somebody into it or some kind of feature like that i I still want the irony of of our lightning dogs driving that vehicle Maybe Dingo's got to pull a Raiders of the Lost Ark rescue mission where he's got to, you and know, climb on it. it and yeah, and then and then they keep it. But if it's like a if it's a heavily armored sort of uh, Ooh, no, thing that, that, if, that if it's meant to contain them, you know. But then they can turn it around and use it as containment unit for the Diamond Dogs or protection of themselves from the like if it's almost like a, ro- a roving uh, uh, safety. I just feel net, like if you know? if I'm thinking about a late '80s toy commercial, then like. Halloween Jack rolls up in the dog catcher. I'll get you, lightning dogs. Crash through the bricks, you know, like... Those bricks that are not part of the toy line. You know, <laughs> yeah. Man, if and, they and made, the sand, if they made and the packs sand of them, I would have bought those oh, fucking brick packs. Everybody <laughs> would have. And those, those little, like, ice cotton. cubes that they yeah. would stack or yes. whatever, you know? like The, the, the cotton balls as well that was yeah. the dust always. And it wasn't really a cotton ball because it was, like, too wiry for it. It was almost like steel wool that had been dyed. Yeah. <sighs> Let's sell that stuff. Yeah, we're, we're in the wrong line. <laughs> That's what we should be doing instead. <laughs> So anyway, like, how weaponized is it if, up for debate? I mean, asking asking these questions now, the way that I kind of picture it, resources are scarce. Sure. If there are any kind of, like, projectile weaponry on it, it's laser-based using the crystals. But if you're going to use the crystals, you're using the same fuel source that's powering your vehicle. So a lot of it is going to be, like, drills, saws, melee, because we want our characters in close combat when we're doing this. It's it's Or it's kind of like the new turtle show where it's like we've got the trash apult and like it's throwing trash at them but it's weaponized trash but that same sort of thing because that's essentially just a claw that is flinging something as opposed to grabbing something yeah yeah so i mean that to me speaks on that level because and you know we keep flashing back to mad max a lot of those mad max vehicles too are built around getting up close and dishing out well, because if you if you destroy the thing too thoroughly in that world, it's worthless to you now, right? Like, mm-hmm. and here's a running car. There's just something fundamentally useful about that, whether it's the gas in it or what, that you don't want to just blow it up, you know? Projectile weapons, though, we can't write them off. Like, that's an important toy component, but we use different ways. We can reimagine them because, mm-hmm. for example, with G.I. Joe, they're just like, it's a red missile. It fires. No problem. With Turtles, they ha- always had to have something that could be like a vaguely kind of cartoon violence angle to it. Right. Yeah. So it'd be like the bottle rocket cannon or something mm-hmm. like that. No, and I'm so not- if you have like a, a Molotov cocktail launcher or you know a rudimentary incendiary device of some kind, yeah. there's plenty of ways we can spin it. You know, you use that when you know who you're chasing and you know you want them done. Mm-hmm. But for practical reasons, 
tapping on with what Max is saying. These are these are valuable commodities, and especially say before the Lightning Dogs prove themselves to be public enemy number one. Well, that's the thing. They before, want to bring them into Glampire. Well, and even that before they're even there, right? What did these guys do yesterday? To me, the idea of the dog catcher is something that they build specifically for the dogs, sure. for Lightning Dogs. But, but before the stuff they yeah. see the first time we see the villains yeah. is like. You know, they roll up and terrorize a town like they do, you know, and they probably pull up and park and get out and then do whatever they're going to do to these villages or whatever. Yeah. So they probably aren't just like, you know, hyper weaponized. Maybe they've right. got a like a SWAT team style shed somewhere they can go get some stuff that they think is better. But, you know, when they show up, they're probably just like bored with a nail in it type violence. Um, you know? And just to tap on that, that. SWAT team with a shed because we haven't really established what the Diamond Dogs were doing up until the Lightning Dogs show up. I just picture like the Diamond Dogs sitting there hanging off of a hook somewhere like, yeah, hey, what are we going to be using today? Uh, Jesus, things creep me out every time I walk in. All right, let's, let's go over here. Yeah, I mean, that that's a thing too, right? Like you probably have some like recently bolted on anti-Diamond Dog situation that, you know, it looks also hastily ad- added to it, right? Because that would be the first time these guys saw anything in a while that was really going to stand up to them. Unless you had some, like, skirmish with the ninja cats or the robots from the Arctic or whatever, like, you know? To the question of how how weaponized are these, what's the status quo before the lightning dogs arrive? Because we want people to acknowledge that they're the bad guys right away. Mm -hmm. And clearly they do terrorize towns. Like, even if it's just aesthetic, like, these should be menacing vehicles with Mm -hmm. spikes. And then I think a a lot of their combat would be visceral stuff. Glampire's the one who's weapon who'd be able to weaponize crystals into being lasers. And right. the lightning dogs would conversely be able to do that as well. But then like, you know, and he can give eventually you can outfit like Halloween Jack eventually, but I think yeah that, that those guys are all about like blades, gasoline. Maybe sure. even that's how we identify Halloween Jack as as the leader of the Halloween abortions. Peopleoids. <laughs> Just because he's he would have you know that's a, a status symbol almost. Mm-hmm. I have a laser Listen to me. Right, yeah, yeah. Based on some of the sketches, like we we come up with things like like uh, the laser scythe, yeah, or the the wrist, crystal machete was blades. a big was a good one. Yeah, oh, that's and that's, like, no, I'm, Dingo's ha- Dingo has a crystal machete. As far as I'm concerned, he's got a crystal machete, or he gets a crystal machete. He, yeah. Well, it's not something he's going to show up on the planet with. Right, right, right. right, right. Max, something you mentioned was the lightning dogs rolling in with a piece already, right. and and that's that's completely new. Yeah, we, we, we haven't ne- really we talked. We never about, walked down that we, road. We, we never really talked about what they land on Earth with. Well, Which is always pictured like, kind of like tourists with a map. I'm just saying, like, well, what is it, right, is, is different than... There's probably something, right? Like, they probably come with some supplies and, and sort of, you know, right. you, you know what I mean? It, it's, so. a, it's a really good point because I'd always sort of imagined it being a facility that was, you know, large, big enough for vehicles to go through, certainly because Earth sent vehicles through. Right. But... That they were erring on the side of, like, we may be entering into a friendly territory. We don't want to send the wrong message. We don't want to appear too militarized. Sure. However, since the diamond... That could even be a point of debate, too, right? Where it's like, you've got a guy who's going with the gun. He's like, you're not getting my gun away. Like, you know what I mean? Like that Stargate thing where you've got a scientist going and you've got... Right. The straight-up army going. A lot of of that dialogue in Lightning Dogs is sort of happening on the sidelines between the first team, the Diamond Dogs, Mm -hmm. and what they did and what... The government at home on Domus thinks they did wrong because all they know is they didn't hear back from him after a while. Yeah, yeah. So it would make sense that whereas the Diamond Dogs may have gone on foot and requisitioned vehicles from wherever they found, the Lightning Dogs would actually come through with something. And something that could help them escape and at least get their start. Uh, you know, and maybe it gets damaged and they got it and it becomes a piece of 
the world effectively because they have to repair it with what they find around. But you yeah, can also ooh ooh because it can also be like what tips Glampire off the fact that this vehicle, whatever it is, that's getting them through is a crystal powered. Yeah, I was gonna say I would propose that they go through some sort of like fuel tanker and then a bunch of like ancillary vehicles that attach to it or can come off of it, right? Each one has their own little motorcycle or hovercraft or whatever their specific little idiom is going to be. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of get fed by this larger parent creature that's being driven by the mechanic or whoever. It, you know, it would, yeah. would be a pretty standard paradigm, I think. And so it doesn't have to necessarily be that militarized. Like, in much the same way the Enterprise is not a warship, but it can handle itself against most things. You yeah. know, so that idea of like, yeah, this cutting laser could probably cut through whatever. You right. know, like <laughs> I mean, like like so, the tanker in Fury Road. Yeah, uh, like the uh, well, I don't know what the fuck it was called, but the thing from from Lost World, which was an amazing action figure mm-hmm. like playset deal. Yeah, that idea of the mothership, right? Yeah, and then you've which, got these other which things. again, an early idea that we never we kind of I think we ruled it out because at some point we were calling it the pack and it was some kind of like mega tank and we were like this might be that's too <laughs> down much the line. Too soon. Well, yeah. you could yeah. call that the big dog or the alpha dog, and then like you know what I mean? Like, there's all kinds of dogonography that you could use on that stuff. That you know, I can dogography. Yeah, whatever, whatever you know that needs to to look like. But I, I, just, big, I like the big dog. Just I'm throwing my. My two cents, Dave. And it could be like a big rig type thing, you know, a cooler future or looking than it than it normally would be. And, and then everything else could kind of either deploy from it or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that idea of the Knight Rider driving into the back of the truck kind of thing. And you could have that cool like recurring like stock footage of, of all of them just sort of breaking off of it, you know, and like <laughs> flying off like that you have to do every time they get serious in the show. Like, yeah, that's something like those those moments of stock footage that are so core to that early like that aesthetic. Yeah, like the, like, the okay. Cats Ho moment, you know. Like every the, transformation scene, every yeah. time the Power Rangers did we, their thing. We, yeah, did yeah. The, we spent a lot of money doing this once. We're going to use it as many times as we can. Yeah, all the time. And getting a new power happens once per season, you know, like where it's like that's the new thing you do every time. Those types of things, you know, you don't have to do them. But, like, I think they'll be, like, a funny callback if you, oh, yeah, yeah. you, know, if you do them. But, like, thinking about what can provide those, you know, a vehicle where everyone kind of transforms and rolls out or whatever you know those catchphrases and those recurring moments as a thing i think would be good yeah and i guess my my big question would be you know as far as their struggle like do we want them to have something so good so soon sure well we want them to have it and then have it taken away Right. Think about like Metroid games. You start with eighty-two different powers, and then they are taken away from. Sure, you. but that's that's within the Metroid. The way you you lose and reacquire powers is all very flimsy. But in this, we have to think about like it's something that will be you know has to be wrecked, but not wrecked so bad well, they can't escape on it. You this know? thing runs on gas until they run out of gas, and then they have to convert it to crystal power for like five or ten episodes. And right. Then now they're using local materials or whatever. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like just as an idea, like there's ways you could kind of. Do it without it blowing up or whatever. Like you could. I'm, I'm starting to dig the idea that if they, if the lightning dogs arrive on Earth in a kind of van RV thing that's kind of like got their scientific equipment in it, but it also has a thing for like two smaller motorcycles or ATVs. Right. Because of the the way they're attacked, they end up losing that, and that can become the dog catcher. Because then Halloween Jack is like. They left one of their one of their cars behind, and like, oh, it runs on weird crystal stuff, but we're going to attach an engine to it and make it big, so they end up using their own vehicle against them. It's yeah, like that's actually the, a really fun idea too, right? To, to, to repurpose, and it's, it's both diminished and better in some way. Like, yeah, like that episode of Knight Rider where they come with the big rig that's all armored up and everything, but it's not smart. Like it doesn't have a computer in it. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> and they've got this really hard time trying to, to blow up this stupid semi truck, but it has all the technology or all the the gear minus the technology somehow. You know, mm-hmm. like. 
I guess the question is, you know, like where to now? And we should uh, dole out the next phase of, of what comes next. I think we definitely need to figure out what's the aesthetic for dog vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like, what do they come to Earth with? What is their style? Wasteland, we pretty much, you, you pretty much got the Wasteland stuff. Wasteland is done. Yeah, and Glampire, and other possible factions of like, what are the different style of cars that would look good smashing into each other? My first instinct is Glampire being that wedge material sort of stuff like I that. I kind of picture the, the sh- weirdly, just as I was thinking about it, the ship from Flight of the Navigator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, especially the the, the speedy yeah, version. Yeah, like, it's, it's a more... Very angular. Angular, but smooth. To make uh, what could be a longer point short, but to, but to mention is that Doug and I were working on uh, Glampire Aesthetic, really latched on to the, uh, the Michael Jackson thing, started a, a whole folder of Michael Jackson's outfits, uniforms, and other material that's been really, really good for inspiring directions to go to with Glampire visually. And then I've also been reflecting on Glampire's home base and let's say the goblin city of glampire i found a bunch of truly amazing amazing pieces of reference from brutalist architecture mm-hmm. doug was mentioning uh, churches in the past and i found like much to my surprise there's probably more brutalist churches than there is anything else and they are all fucked up looking yeah wow our work is like just already done for us because like some of these scenes I'm just like I want this one and I want this one and I want this one like let's just do this and we and and Glampire's world is done yeah Glampire's world is very very close to being done trying to get a vehicle extension of that will be very cool and interesting like something that's it's organic it's mechanical it's crystal based like Mm -hmm. those ideas somehow converging so getting the aesthetic of each little tribe and seeing how it's going to clash together and then maybe the first several vehicles of each. Like, what would the Wastelanders have before the Lightning Dogs show up? What do the Lightning Dogs bring to Earth? What does Glampire have deep in his uh, in, in his applied sciences basement? You know, like, what does he have that he's only going to bust out on, like, the worst day? Yeah. What did Morgan Freeman give him? We can identify who's going to get a vehicle. Like, if you were just saying, like, we know for the show that there's going to be all kinds of incidentals, right? But I yeah. think for the toys, you're probably only going to make some iconic vehicles, right? So I think you can start with those and say, okay, Glampire's got a car or not. You know, um, Halloween Jack's got a car or not. The Lightning Dogs have this thing, right? Because, I mean, you're going to have this phase one of the toys. It's going to have, like, here's everything I saw on that pilot. I got to get it. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think you can start with that and then you can spiral out. I, I think the beauty of a, of a premise like this is that you almost don't have to design it all to the last nut and bolt up front. Like, I right. think it, it's, it's fairly accepting of diverse input, I think. So it would be good to know what you want the lightning dog stuff to look like, but they're probably not going to get too much new lightning dog world right. dropship stuff. No, yeah, you know not I mean? for a while. And so, um, you know, Glampire stuff, I think you could roll in, like, that thing I forgot I buried under Vesuvius or whatever. Like, you could kind of bring that stuff in all the time. Like, oh, yeah, here's that thing I left in the Outback. Here's that thing, I, here's this MacGuffin I found. And then it's this new problem that they've got to face down, right? And mm-hmm. it can all kind of have a sort of visual language to it. And then I think the, the, the Wasteland stuff, as junky as it is, it's probably going to not really get totally destroyed either, right? So everyone's yeah. got their deal. But then I think you need the Season 2 enhancements, like now they've got the jet or whatever. Like, you know, right, I mean, right, 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 right. So, I mean, so that type of stuff. With you describing Glampire as, like, forgetting things, I'm just... Anybody else picturing him as, like, a daughter and grandpa occasionally? Nope. I don't see him as a daughter and grandpa. I just think it's, like... Like anybody does. It's like you open that closet when you're moving and you're like, oh, snap, here's that thing, right? Like, And it's like, oh, I knew I left that, you know. No, I came into here for a reason. Yeah. I, 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 I left it? something here several centuries ago. 
Nigel, help me find it. Or he was separated from it by some critical thing, so now he's got to go. Fight and now that the lightning dogs, it's now that the lightning dogs defeated uh, Captain Scrap. He can be like, oh, Scrap's out of the way. Now yeah. I can get to that cave where like, I hid that like thing. That, that, bunker, that, mine, that yeah. bunker under the sea is fine. It's not going anywhere. I don't have to fight the giant squid that just happens to live outside it now. Like, right. But maybe I do because now I need that thing real bad, right? Like, mm-hmm. So you can have him kind of doing these like sort of trials to get his own stuff back as well. Yeah. And so to send him, send him on a mission to get to King Kai's planet or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> for a season when he comes back with his big thing and they're trying to get their big thing that, you know, or whatever, like the sort of Serpentor arc of G.I. Joe where like they're trying to get all that DNA back before Cobra Commander does to make his super leader you know yeah. like all, all those kind of things we could do so as far as it goes like is what would help me out is like okay well we want just at a high level I would like some vehicle for each of the lightning dogs or right. I would like Glampire to have a thing and like the things I know about Glampire are he's super haughty he's above his problems largely so he's probably not driving his own thing around so like you can kind of infer like what his car is going to be like mm-hmm. using that idea that your car says something about you right yeah. like and you can kind Nigel of... is his chauffeur yeah. I just yeah. realized like he has a robot chauffeur so take a wedge car and make it almost like a Bruce Tim Batmobile limousine stretch yeah. where Glampire might be in it but somewhere in the front body is the thing that Nate you just lay Nigel in and close it on top and he's yeah and he's just plugged into the he's plugged into the car and you just in the body of it and now that car can do amazing things that no human or, or biological or if if Nigel has like a head that like clips out like his head is the USB stick in all the bodies <laughs> of different computers or just what, yeah so this, like, that it's he so his head clips into the the front of the car like he's he, he's no. not the hood ornament because that's dangerous but yeah. like <laughs> though i like that visual a lot and i will say this ties into something and this this is nothing to do with vehicles but i was thinking about queen lich this week and the one design that i keep coming back to with her is this kind of like socket based thing so i kind of had this idea that her army is a hall of heads where she's just taking the most fearsome and decrepit things that she could have found and maintained their heads alive, so she will plug them into different bodies depending on what she needs done. That's interesting. I mean, the, I, I, the Hall of Heads Return to Oz iconography is really strong. If we can figure out a way to make something like that work, I would hate to borrow that heavily, uh, but as a quick final reference for the lightning dogs and their cars and everything, as early into the series as possible, we need to make sure that at least three of the lightning dogs are equipped with some kind of iconic vehicle that fans could immediately attach to the feel of lightning dogs, the series Mm -hmm. so that that would resonate with them and having them have these kind of like sci-fi hot rods, a hot dog and hot rod, having at least three of them, like maybe like something that's like Angela and Pierre have a vehicle that's like kind of both of theirs. One of them is the gunner. One of them steers it or, um, uh, right. And like, and I can imagine kid, not really having her own thing until a little bit later on. And oh, she, she, gets, she like, doesn't even some, have a learner's permit. Some cool motorcycle, like a cool gyrocopter, you know, some yeah, yeah. cyber something. One of, them, one of them wheels that you was talking about where she sits in the middle of it. Yeah, so if, if you guys want to put up, like, who pairs up in that way and sort of what their kind of mm-hmm. stick needs to be, like, that would be helpful to start, start brainstorming, you know, specifically what they're going to get. Totally, yeah. And thus, our vehicular quest began. Now, while there's still many, many more miles of road on this particular journey... If you'd like a sampling of what's to come and to see the full effect of Max's skills, linked on this episode's page is a blueprint for the Lightning Dog's signature vehicle, the Rover, a.k.a. the Lightning Rod, in pristine, pre-wasteland condition. We still might make some changes, but this vehicle's core design is locked down, and in the months to come, you'll hear about it and the rest of the fleet. But that's not all. Max also created a rudimentary 3D model of the Lightning Rod, which he used to demo making a hologram. On this episode's page, we'll have a link to where you can see Max's makeshift hologram rig in action. Or, 
see the hologram with your own eyes, if you've got a jewel case lying around, we'll post instructions on how to build your own 3D hologram pyramid, or where you can just buy your own. Speaking of, if you follow our links to products on Amazon, any purchases you make gives a portion of the proceeds to the Nerdy Show Network, and in turn, Lightning Dogs. You can use Nerdy Show's affiliate links for all your Amazon purchases. No extra cost to you and a big help to us. Just go to nerdyshow.com Amazon. In fact, if I may be so bold as to suggest a shopping recommendation, we've got Lightning Dogs emblem t-shirts up on Amazon. Made to order, high quality, and with snappy delivery time too. If you love Lightning Dogs and want to ensure that we capture the hearts and minds of a generation, please rate and review our show on iTunes. More reviews increase our visibility so new people can discover us. Telling random strangers is also applicable, but uh, tell your friends as well. And uh, if you've got the financial fortitude and hunger for bonus content, subscribe to us on Patreon. Funding us there is the quickest path to being able to produce even more Lightning Dogs content and help us achieve next-level milestones like having our pitch bible reviewed by Greg Weissman, creator of Gargoyles and co-creator of Young Justice. Plus, you'll officially be a member of the pack, like our latest member, the Mighty Weege. Now, Weege we've got to give special props to. He went above and beyond. His bank was giving him some trouble signing up for Patreon, and before he was able to circumvent their well-meaning but infuriating defenses, he sent Lightning Dogs a one-time donation of $50. That's a lot of money. Thank you, Weege. You truly brought the thunder. And when faced with adversity, you didn't turn tail. Now that Weege is a patron at $5 or more, he's got access to exciting perks, like a ton of deleted conversations from this episode. We left in a lot of awesome asides, but there were many more such as revealing discussions about the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves action figure line that we simply didn't have room for. Nearly 10 minutes of outtakes from this episode alone. I thought that we'd be releasing outtakes collections every 10 episodes, but there's been so many already! So this week, patrons will be getting outtakes from podcasts 11 through 14 and a standalone collection of this episode's extended discussions. Oh, and uh, before we go, one more thing. If you want to chat up about Lightning Dogs in person... I'll be at Oak City Comic Con in Raleigh, North Carolina, March 18th and 19th. I'll be doing some panels, emceeing the big dance, and whatever other hosting duties need doing. If you'll be there, let us know. Coming up in two weeks, we tag back to some of the supporting cast of The Wasteland, particularly the terrifying Terrapin, Captain Scrap. We'll see you next time on Lightning Dogs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.